gentlemen, I think the only way to really start a podcast like this is with a dramatic reading from some top tier analysis I found on the internet. Um, maybe I'll put in some cool background music for this when I do the edit. I hope this is a wake up call, not for this team, but for this fan base. This team got lucky for a couple games playing scrubs and snowflakes. And when they ran into an all caps, real team that played all caps, real football parentheses, actually hits, they shriveled up like a deflated balloon. From here, there are two choices. The first is to take the blue pill, go back to sleep and hope that your glorified high school quarterback and mentally soft coaching staff will go back to getting lucky. Or you can take the red pill and do what is necessary. Fire McCarthy today, cut Dak next week, start over. People will question it, but they always do when you do what a man does. Maybe this time, people will learn their lesson. Damn, what what else can he say, you know? I feel like uh, a good therapist would have a fucking field day with that paragraph, because there's a whole bunch of, like... Really I don't thinly know, man. veiled projection in there, <laughs> like fragile masculinity, and like <laughs> I think man, he might... anytime I got to tell you, anytime anyone brings up like the Matrix thing, the red pill, blue pill thing, I just instantly am like, yeah, this guy has got a big poster of 2019 Joker in his bedroom, like for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think he may have had a point. You know, maybe maybe we do need to maybe we do need to take the pill. You know, and just. Just, just decide burn, burn if this, if this six and two really team to the ground, dude. <laughs> hey, six and two was a good run, but frauds. You know, nothing else you can, nothing else you can do, boys. I, I love reactionary shit like this so much because I, I mean, I am very reactionary myself. Like I'm in the moment, especially during games. I'm incredibly emotional, and I always think back to uh, Ben, you and I in 2012. I think it was we went to uh norman oklahoma to see texas tech play the oklahoma sooners and i think tech was favored to lose by like 27 points or something it was a weird game it was rain delayed and tech actually ended up beating oklahoma and it was their first home loss in like 15 years we turned on oklahoma sports radio there were callers being like this team has been mediocre as shit poor piss poor tackling for years we need to fire scoops tomorrow just like full on burn the house down. And so it's nice to know that like pretty much every fan base does this, but uh, it is funny. Yeah. When the sky's falling in Dallas, it's, 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 it's really falling. It's, it's everything is on, bigger, man. It's everything full on cats and dogs. It is full on meltdown, you know, and uh, we, we got to, we, you know, our fan base, I think was craving that after, after six straight quality wins, um, you know they really they really needed this one. The, the they really needed to this outlet, and so uh, I'm glad I'm glad you know the boys were able to, to deliver to them. Just just a real old fashioned cowboy stinker. You know, you texted Absolutely. me a, a game that cowboy haters dream of was this game. It like, is this, everything. This had, it all. <laughs> this had everything you could ask for. Every star player just like delivering their low light of their entire career. Digs getting cooked. Dak unable to make three yard passes, all our star receivers with routine high school level catch drops, defense getting gashed by nobody. The guy that you like have kind of put your hopes into is being able to hold down the left tackle spot, getting just beat like a dog by a seventh round pick for the first two career sacks of a guy that no one's ever going to hear of again. It truly had it all. So let's get into the autopsy. This is Boys Will Be Boys. I am Andy Gatelli. Benjamin T. Walker. Zachary Love. We are coming to you uh, a bunch of mere 48 hours following uh, the Cowboys' second loss of the season. Zach's um, so uh, Zach's in such disarray. He hasn't he hasn't been able to speak on the pod yet. He's just he's looking <laughs> over the box score in, in disgust on our screen. Yeah, I kinda wanted to join in with the joking, but I'm still just sad. The box score is bizarre for this game. Let me start the by the box saying score that. is a lie. I was going to say, if you look at this box score, it does not tell you anything about what happened in this game. You're like, okay, Zeke rushed for five yards of carry. Like, Dak, 19 for 39 isn't great, but 232 and two touchdowns. Okay. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater only 
only threw for 249. So, I mean, you know, and one touchdown. So he's not much better. This game was not nearly as close as it looks. Uh, at one point in the fourth quarter, this game was 30 to nothing. It ended 30 16. Um, but this is a this is a game that I think if you've watched the Cowboys for a long time, you've seen a couple of these, even from really good Cowboys teams, where through some combination of overconfidence or lack of preparation or whatever, we'll get into that. I'm I'm sure they just were completely unprepared for what this game was going to be or what they were going to to face on the field on Sunday, and they got punched in the mouth. And I think as soon as the Broncos figured out that they could they could hang with these guys, it was a fucking wrap and off to the races. So, guys, I'll, I'll kick it to you. Share with me uh, the emotional journey of this game for you. Guys, I, uh, I have to take some blame here. I, I get I get gut feels every now and then. It's it's remarkable. They're, they're pretty they're pretty spot on. I felt really good about this game. And then the moment it started. I just I was looking at Ashley, my fiance, and I just I just knew it was going to be a bad game. I, I just felt it in my bones. I saw the first drive, the fourth down. I just I had a gut feel they weren't going to get that. And sure enough, I mean my feelings just they just translated. You know, it was it was it was out there. The the, the fellas felt it. I can't help it, and 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 they laid an egg. So I I think it's somewhat on me, guys. I it, I, I just had, I felt bad juju from this game very early. It's not I blamed like it on my my shirt. I was wearing a particular Cowboys game day polo that I haven't worn in at all this year. Um, I did throw it in the trash though, so hopefully that got rid of it. There's some games we start slow, like the Giants or the Vikings, and I and I brush it off. I don't think anything of it, but there's something weird about this game where even when they marched down, I mean they didn't even score till the end of the first, but it just we just looked off, and I think it was really maybe yep. Dak is what started it. Is Dak at one point was, I mean, you said he finished 19 to 29. At one point, I wish I had screenshotted him. He was like seven of 19 or five of 19 or something. He was, he was six of 19 for sure. Yeah, that's six that's one that I had. Um, it was bizarre, man. Uh, let's, so let's, I, I think. Zach, starting, what about you? Where'd yeah, you Zach, give, give, us yeah, your, so, give us your readout. Uh, my initial thoughts were more just confused. I didn't, mm -hmm. immediately Dak was just throwing terribly. Yeah, I didn't. Ben really put it well. Couldn't why. hit the ocean from a boat. Oh yeah, um, that confusion got to. Uh, it, I felt anger in the second half. Not second half. Second quarter. I was getting very, very angry. By the third quarter, it was more just like a very, very deep depression. Oh yeah. Like I kind of just stopped caring. I know that feeling. I turned the, the game off. The numbness and, sets in. Yeah, I turned the game off in the third quarter because I felt like I was going to start punching things. I've never turned a game off before. So just full disclosure, mm -hmm. I did not see us score these uh, 16 points. I think it was strange. They basically don't well, really count. Then, then uh, you've been okay. indoctrinated so, into the into the tribe, you know? Your, I'll say your this. First, your, first, your first real egg that you turn off the – you can't even watch them. can't even watch the finish. That's that's a real badge of honor. Yeah, 16 my points at the, the end time, of the game. It was just good for both of us that I did not keep watching. That was a smart decision for any relationship. Um, I'll say this about the 16 points at the end. They almost made the game a surreal experience because this team literally could not do anything right. Like we'll go over some moments in this game, but like lit, even just like stuff that was out of their control, just completely every bounce was against them from the jump. The second that, so the, the Broncos kicked a field goal. Uh, with six and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter to make it 30 to nothing. After Dak threw one of the ugliest picks of his career. Absolutely. The ne very next drive, when the Cowboys take the ball back over, and at first I was like, okay, Denver's starters aren't in, or they were running a prevent package. No. Went back and watched the All-22. They're running an identical defense. It's the starting personnel. Denver's doing exactly what they've been doing all day. The match man, which had given the Cowboys total fits. And all of a sudden, the Cowboys are marching down the field almost with ease. They, they go 75 yards in about two and a half minutes. Uh, Dak scores a touchdown pass. 
and then gets a two-point conversion. Denver then comes out, and the running backs who had gashed us for pretty much 10 yards of carry all day get completely shut down by the same defensive line they had pushed gaping holes in the entire game. It's a three and out for Denver. They punt back to Dallas with two minutes to go. And again, Dak shreds them. I'm talking about precision passes into tight windows on the run. See, do you take anything for that? Because I don't. That's I'm not I'm not taking anything from it. It's just bizarre. It's like they it's like all of a sudden they just remembered how to ride a bike. It, it, I like because I I went back and looked at the the film because I was like, was this a Denver stopped caring? It doesn't appear that way. It really does look like Dallas showed up for a game that started at three instead of a game that started at noon. Like they really did look completely competent all of a sudden. It was bizarre. It was very strange yeah. and surreal. The only experience that all I have with that is being on a golf course and for 14 holes, you absolutely can't find it. And then 15, yeah. 16, and then at the very end, all of a sudden you just smoke a drive dead down the middle, park one to five feet and make a birdie. And you're like, where the fuck has that been all day? Like <laughs> it's, it's almost like, and I, this is what I think I attribute it to when the Cowboys, when things started going against them, when they didn't get those two first fourth down conversions and Denver got up on them, I felt very viscerally that this Cowboys team was pressing that they were, that Dak was trying to make something happen, that the receivers were trying like that third down catch by Amari where he drops the ball is a perfect example. Mm. That feels like on a normal play, Amari would just be worried about catching the ball and then getting some yards but because of the situation we were in. Amari was like, I have to house this shit. We've got to turn this whole thing, turn the whole boat around right here. So I need What's to that? make a home run right here. And those kind of pressing moments, I think, led to just a complete loss of edge by the entire offense. They were totally out of sync. And then at the end of the game, once all the pressure's off and you know you're going to lose, mm -hmm. suddenly they're just playing football again. And suddenly they are who they're supposed to be. It's very strange. It's very strange. You know, Mike Leach once said that uh, perfect is the enemy of good. And that sort of yeah. felt when things went wrong, they're they trying to score – when they went down 13 nothing 16 nothing they were trying to score 16 points at once it's like yes, oh we need that's we a need really this. good it's a really good way to put it and, and so you know they had so with those last two drives notwithstanding when the game was done after after the broncos went up 30 to 0 at that point dallas had 150 total offensive yards this is the number one offense in the nfl zero points and two turnovers and then on the last drive, the last two drives, they got 140 yards and two scores. But yeah, you're right. There's something from basically, like I said, middle of the fourth on. They were, I mean, we looked worse than the the Jet. Like name a franchise. I mean, it was uh, well, bad. And a lot of weird things. Like so, this team has been particularly good on first down. They're one of the best first down teams in the NFL. We couldn't run year. on first at all. We couldn't do anything on first. We were averaging second and eight which means we had a lot of second and nines, second and tens. Now, deeper analysis of why I think this happened. I think don't think you can attribute it all to one thing. I think there's been a lot of talk about overconfidence, uh, showing up and thinking that just by existing, you're going to beat this team. They're a 500 football team. They don't belong on the field with you. I think all those things come into play. If I can point to one failure on the field that I think was massively overlooked going into this, it's the offensive line situation. Um, I think that the talent of Lael Collins and the play history this so far this year of Terrence Steele made Cowboys fans and probably the Cowboys themselves overconfident in losing Tyron Smith, which on a normal basis, you know, in any other year, losing Tyron Smith and putting a backup in that spot would cause a lot of trepidation and fear. Right. Well, I mean, he missed most of Minnesota and they yeah. figured out a way to move the ball. So, but in this game, the Broncos were not bringing a significant amount of extra pass rush. They blitzed 14% of the time, which is the least amount of blitz that the Cowboys have seen all year. They were, they were getting home on pass rushes with three and four man rushes almost every time. That means Dak is effectively running for his life the whole game. He's seeing seven, eight, nine DBs in this matchman zone. So he's having to throw into much tighter windows. And Terrence Steele had definitely the worst game of, of the season. Um, 
to a seventh round pick who's never had a sack in his life. Yeah, so gave up Terrence two Steele sacks. Had, yeah, two sacks, two QB hits, and nine pressures plus the hands had, to the face. He penalty. had nine nine pressures this game, and he had six combined this season at right tackle heading. Yeah, in. I mean he was a turnstile. It was absolutely last year Terrence Steele. You know, do you think this season? I think they thought he was a swing tackle, and he may just be a right tackle. He like, has. I will say this: there was a lot of noise last last week about, oh, Lael Collins hasn't played left tackle since 2014, so how is he going to play left tackle? Terrence Steele has never played left tackle, <laughs> literally ever. He played right tackle in college. He played right tackle in high school. He's never played left tackle until last week. So maybe we should have seen that coming. Um, and I'm not saying that that one thing like broke you, but penetration on the edge allowed for the passing game to get interrupted. It allows them to drop way more guys into coverage, which makes the passing game a lot harder. It means there's dudes in the backfield going after Zeke before he even gets to the well, line of scrimmage, which we saw a lot of. People were like, is this the, and I say people, the broadcast asked this question, you know, where the Cowboys did Denver give the blueprint on how to stop Dallas? And I had a kind of laugh. I was like, because because of what you're saying, I was like, yeah, if you can get home in the NFL any game with three, four man rushes, then yeah, you're gonna stop every team. I mean, every, that that's the big problem with the Chiefs right now is that everyone's dropping seven, eight into coverage every single time because Patrick Mahomes has destroyed the blitz, and now he's either forcing him that hey, you're either gonna have to check down all game, you're gonna have to take a sack but we're not going to let you throw deep. And, yeah. you know, if you can pull that off, then great. Well, and then you add to that, we had we had uh, six different drops by wide receivers and running backs. Amari Cooper with his first drop of the season. Up until that point, he had 60 targets without a drop. So he had his first Who, drop of the year. Amari Pollard had his well, first they, drop of the year. I was going to say, they also happened just bad times. Like, Amari's was oh, yeah. awful. Uh, Pollard's was awful Pollard hasn't yep. not had a target caught and <laughs> just everything that went bad seemed to go bad at a really CD, bad time schultz mckeon wilson all had drops um and then wilson like on the on the second fourth down conversion attempt wilson beats his man he's got two steps dak tries to throw it over the the defensive end is in his face and it it's behind Wilson and at his ankles. CD got two steps on Kyle Fuller. Yeah, at one that's point the one I remember. Dak just threw threw it another, over his head. Like another. Um, I want to ask this to to both of you and, and Zach. I'll let you answer first. So they went for fourth on both the first two drives. A fourth and one, fourth and two. Uh, the fourth and one, Zeke gets stuffed. The fourth and two is the one Andy talked about, where Zach or Dak kind of like alligate just couldn't get just couldn't get to Cedric. It was a bad throw. Uh, did you like the calls? You like the plays? Did you want them to go? In the moment, yes. Yeah, I kind of thought we should have just given it to Zeke for the second one instead of having Dak throw it because at that point, unless I'm thinking of a different play, we already were seeing that Dak was just fucking up. Yeah, he was maybe off. I'm thinking of a maybe. No, what? Sorry, I'm thinking but of Zeke, a, the but wrong Zeke hadn't exa- but Zeke hadn't been you know blowing up holes either. Like yeah, but one yard didn't seem too hard for him. But I I actually just realized I confused the fourth well downs. we missed a lot of the fourth, fourth downs. downs yeah i was thinking of a totally different one than the one we're talking about i mean the, yes the thing, i mean mccarthy couldn't expect like hey all my players are just gonna have the worst game of their career this game yeah i probably didn't really I, see that coming so i think it's one of those things where in the moment i would absolutely say go for it every time in retrospect i think it certainly contributed to this the overall psychological like unfolding of this game where like if you go for it on fourth down in enemy territory twice and you get stuffed, that is a huge confidence booster to the other team. It is, other than a turnover, the this best is- possible thing you could have happen to you on defense. It is like a huge rock star moment. And so for Dallas to fail at that twice, it's a high risk, high reward play when you go for it on fourth down. And unfortunately, both of them rolled against us this time. Yeah, I, I I like that they'd go. I, I brought that point up specifically because I think people tend to get very results biased on fourth down calls. And if of you course. go, you're you're a genius. It's like, it's like fake bad. punts, onside uh, kicks, all those things. And with this offense, I think you should always feel like you can you can 
get fourth in a yard or two yards. Agreed. Air on the side of aggressive. I do agree with you though, Andy, that they there is a psychological element to it that I don't think analytics ever accounts for. And I know analytics people roll their eyes when they hear that, but it is, you know, there, there's something where if you have gone for three of them and haven't gotten them, and then you step up to another fourth and one, fourth and two, it's natural to be like, wow, we might be in some trouble or the defense to, to believe, Hey, this is, we're going to stop these guys again. Do you remember the 2016 Cowboys Steelers game where the Steelers kept going for two point conversions and failing? Yeah, I think that game set a record for most twos that they went for four and didn't get any, and we went for two and didn't get any. Like, so go for six. I, I think that that had a significant impact on the game. Like, not just from a point standpoint, which it definitely did, but also, like, dude, when you try something like that and you fail, like, you are, you are, the defense is going back to the sideline pumped. Um, man, another just key moment in this game that just drove me crazy. So they go down, they go into the half 16-0. They come out the second half, and actually the first possession, the defense balls. So Bridgewater does a short little pass. Van Der Esch stops, stops it. And then on third down, uh, third and five, Bridgewater gets sacked for a nine-yard loss by Micah Parsons. And so it's fourth and 14 on their own 17. They go for the punt. It's blocked. The punt goes off of the shoulder of the blocker go, passes the line of scrimmage by about a foot, touches Nishan right, and then Denver falls on it six yards short of the first down. But because it touched a Cowboys player past the line of scrimmage, it is an automatic first down for the Denver Broncos, which was one of the most confusing rules. And it's another one in the Hall of Fame of like, it's like the Bryce Butler failure to return to huddle penalty in the playoffs against green Bay. It's like a rule that I was unaware of and doesn't seem to make any logical sense. Um, but man, you get the ball. If you get the ball on like the 10 yard line right there, this whole game could be different because suddenly it's like six. Yeah. That was, seven. that was the backbreaker. And then they, they just continue. Then the next place that Javante Williams somehow runs out of six people's arms and gets a 40 yard Rip. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk about that. But, but no, yeah, I want to talk about that play. That, yes. Yeah. That, yeah. That the play, lack just of it. real quick, was I understand that that it wasn't improperly called. It just I always thought if the returner muffed a punt and the other team got it, I understood why they got possession, right? Because it's a live ball and it's past the first down marker. But you're really telling me that if anyone touches it past the line of scrimmage, it's alive. That's a very strange rule. Even if they don't originally pass the first down marker on fourth down. Correct. Yeah. Like, well, I was, I said it at the time, weird. like if that's the rule, how come an NFL team, which they will do NFL teams will specialize in everything. They will figure out ways to use any small rule. Why wouldn't you just have your punter drill a line drive into the ground, into the defensive line, and just hope <laughs> it gets one inch over the line of scrimmage and then just fall on and you have a new set of downs? Why wouldn't you try that? It's like an onside kick as a punt. Like, Imagine they get a special punter. You know they have, have – That's what I'm saying. Like why wouldn't like the rugby punters and he just – They will do just, anything. Like NFL teams will take an, a centimeter of advantage. Like why – I think about half the league found out about that rule on that play. Because like even the announcers – the the reporters from the Cowboys that like I listened to the, their podcast they were up in the press box being like yeah that's our ball like that's very clearly our ball um, and this is just one of those games man like if the block the guy that blocks the punt blocks the punt backwards instead of it taking the most crazy forward bounce if Nashawn Wright manages to grab that ball he might score right there but he at minimum gets it like it's a game of inches well, and in this game every inch went the wrong direction. Like it's crazy. That's well said, and and they dominated time of possession. So right after that, what hurts is we don't force them to punt. They go ten plays, seventy two yards, and four minutes, and they only get a field goal, but they still milk so much time. Cowboys go four and out on the next possession, yep. and then we actually do stop them. They miss a field goal, and then we go three and out on the next possession. So we run seven plays. Their next drive, they go eighty five yards and. 13 plays and 7.30 off the clock. And that was it. I mean, we we had two possessions in the second half and we had seven plays for 13 yards. And that was game. I mean, at that point, you're down 27-0. That is game. 
Well, and the time of possession thing is so closely related to their ability to run the football. They ran 41 times for 190 yards and two touchdowns. The tackling. Zach, tell me about the tackling. Tell me about the tackling, Zach. It's just fucking non-existent. It was like they were just kind of like, you know, lightly touching them. And so many fucking times. Like, oh, my God. Two things I I identified. No, I will not talk about it. Andy, you talk about it. (laughs) The two two things I identified. Andy, you talk. Two things I identified about the tackling in this game. One is a lot of one-on-one tackling. Like, as uh, compared to the last couple games where we've seen a lot of basically one guy holds up the runner and then it's a gang tackle, like a shitload of cowboys show up really quickly and like gang tackle someone. This was a lot more like individual guys trying to tackle a player and then everyone else kind of standing around. The other thing, and I thought this was really interesting, was they talked to McCarthy on Monday and he said that he felt like he had overcoached penalties last week. Um, obviously the Cowboys have had a couple games during their win streak where penalties really hurt them. They had a a shitload of penalties on defense for unnecessary roughness, things like that. And McCarthy really drilled into them all week at practice last week. that They need to like play smart and not get penalties and not get flags. Um, and I think it's a legitimate question as to whether or not if you, if you get into a defense's head, a defense that's been playing very violently, very physically with a lot of edge. And you go and you kind of drill into them that like they need to take a little bit off to not draw those flags, to not hurt the team. In a game with a in a league like the NFL, with as much parity as it has, I think if you take one percent off, you run the risk of that one percent losing you the competitive edge you have. And I think we saw that. They did not appear to be as violent or physical as they usually have been all year. Yeah, I don't disagree. It doesn't help that one of those people that probably needed that talk was Trayvon Diggs, who had his worst game possibly in a Cowboys uniform. He got cooked, and he had an awful penalty that led to the first touchdown. Um, Here's the thing he... on that. On the on the touchdown, the long touchdown to Patrick, I, I don't – I'm not going to – I'm not trying to be that Cowboys fan that's just excusing him. Like, I went back and watched the tape of that play probably 10 times. He's not, it's not, he's not burned. Like, he's right there. The coverage is actually pretty good. It's pretty much a perfect co- throw and catch. Um, those are going to happen in the NFL, I think. I'm not letting him off the hook for it. I didn't, I didn't but hate people that act, one as people, much as. People acted like he fucking got cooked on a double move and fell over and Patrick walked into the end zone. Like, Trayvon caught right up to him. He has that great closing speed. He caught right up to him and he was on his hip. Like the ball was just placed perfectly. That one made me less upset than the the end zone. The end zone penalty, which was penalty, which pretty is blatant. That is definitely Trayvon's weakness in his game right now. Is that he plays? He's very over aggressive. That's how he gets all the turnovers. And he got there half a beat too early. If he gets he there at the right time, game. it's a it's a perfect it's a perfect play. But he missed. I also thought that. he was a little beat on that play though. I mean, he was having to sure kind of jump but i i agree i i mean dude we we spent five podcasts pretty much could have named this digs will be digs afterwards christening him especially me so i just i just wanted to point out that he was in a game where there was a lot of bad to go around he was noticeably bad well it game. makes sense he is the 101st rated cornerback <laughs> in the league yeah no joke <laughs> yeah i do want to say on the defense there were uh there were two bright spots in my opinion one was Micah Parsons. Uh, Micah Parsons had two and a half sacks. He now has five on the year. Um, he had three tackles for loss. He had 10 total tackles. Um, I said this in our group chat this week. I think one of the primary weaknesses of this linebacking unit is that whatever activity Micah Parsons is not currently doing, they kind of suck at. So, like, when he's playing stand-up linebacker, they, they're pretty damn good against the run. They sniff out screens really well. They do all those things awesome but they lack a little pass rush because it's pretty much all Randy. When he's rushing the passer, he gets two and a half sacks in a game and is doing awesome, but they give up 250 yards rushing and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm hopeful that one overall play will improve week to week Two, when tank gets back, who is 
one of the best DNs against the run in the entire NFL. Uh, some of that, those activities will be offloaded from both Randy and Parsons. So Randy won't be the only source of pass rush being generated. And Micah will not have to choose between being the only guy to stop the run or being the only other guy to rush the passer. He'll at least have some support there. Um, and then the other bright spot I had was Osa had a pretty good game. Um, yeah, obviously so not against the run every time, but uh, he got he applied good pressure. Um, he got a tackle for loss. He looked he looked very good. So, yeah, I'd agree with 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 Micah. He he was about the only good thing that that came out of this game. Um, Shout I, out I guess to Malik Turner, dude. First two uh, touchdowns, was, dude. Yeah, I was gonna give him some love too. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, how do, how does this, how does this ass kicking? Because that's what this was. And yeah. you have, you have those days. You're gonna lose in the NFL. Upsets happen. You're gonna get upset. Dude, ask the Rams. Ask yeah. the, the, the Bills. Buffalo Bills. Ask the yeah. Packers about Week One. Like the, the Raiders lost to the Giants. I mean, gosh, there was there was a lot of bad to go around in the NFL this week. You don't <laughs> any given Sunday is is a very big cliche that we've seen time and time again play out in an awesome movie. Yeah, man. It's, you know, it's movie got some fucking slaps, dude. Willie Beeman for it's, life. It's going to say for Willie Beeman alone, that movie slaps. That movie. Oh, we could have a whole separate podcast about how good any given <laughs> Sunday is. Cause I watched it the other day and that shit just fucking kills. It's so hardcore, but Lawrence Taylor's just such a fucking maniac. And that Hello movie. cool. Jay wears <laughs> his shades everywhere in that movie. LL Cool J walks into their their coaching room and tells the offensive coordinator to shut up and that he's a loser because he's an offensive <laughs> coordinator. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm with you, coach. So good. You're and an I love offensive the coordinator, Frazier. Yeah, I love the, and I love the team doctor who's just like the most naked scumbag in the history of time. Just like, oh, he's the worst. Yeah. So after after drumming like this, does it? How does it? How does it? How does it change the hype train at all? How does it? How does it mess with your confidence of this team? How do you think it messes with the team, Zach? I want you to to answer first. Your your personal outlook has it changed at all? And then how you think the team will respond? Yes, uh, my outlook did change. I wasn't gonna voice this, but I honestly thought there was a really high chance we wouldn't lose another game this season. Damn, dude. Damn. He was full hype. Damn. I love it. So hype. It was really just in this movie, maybe. One of the players having a bad game. <laughs> Is this the opening scene of Belly <laughs> directed by Hype Williams? <laughs> continue, continue. Like Coop dropping like a catch every now and then, Diggs fucking up, Dak throwing terribly. I can accept like those things individually, them all happening all at once. It was like every player just played like complete shit just because mm -hmm. if the if the game played like the score shows if it played like a 30 to 16 game i wouldn't be that upset it was see, the fact I, that I'm it almost, really played like a 30 to nothing like a 50 i, I see i i almost feel like it's better that it went this way if it's a 30 to 16 game the broncos are are maybe a better team than you like that's that that means that you weren't like that means you came out you played you played to some level of your capability and you got beat by a team a 30 to 0 game might never happen again like you can just look at that's like getting hit by a meteor almost in my opinion but yeah well that's what i'm hoping is that this never happens again well, but i'm just that... sorry i was just going to say it's also that denver had lost four or five coming into this one. Like it wasn't, they weren't a four and 14 that had won one, lost one, one, one. I mean, they started three and oh, and then completely got their ass kicked by multiple teams. After well, but, but look at, look at it this way. Okay. They, they were, they've been on, they've been trending badly, but Dick Fangio for not being a very good head coach is a very good defensive coordinator. We played another defense exactly like this already this year, which is the Chargers. The Chargers. Um, which tells you that like, I don't think they gave anyone a blueprint on how to defeat the Cowboys. Like, I really don't. Um, we gave them a shitload of bulletin board material all week, 
They heard all week, like, oh, they traded Von Miller. This fucking game's over. They have no chance. The Cowboys can basically sleepwalk through this thing and kick their ass. And it's an NFL team. Like, these guys make millions of dollars. Like, as much as we like to pretend that, like, it's college football where, like, Bama is going to play Southeastern Louisiana Directional Tech Christian University of Chattanooga, that isn't how the NFL is. Like, even the Jets can go out and beat somebody, and we have seen them do that. And we see, we've seen teams stripped of all their talent, defeat powerhouses, et cetera. Um, so I think – when I really sit back and look at it, when I look, think of the question, is was this a fluke or were we exposed? I don't think we can really know that for sure, obviously, until we play more games. I think we'll see how the team responds. But knowing what I know about this team and the mental makeup of this team and the talent of this team, man, I, I do think it's a fluke. And I think okay. it's probably a good thing that this happened now. I think back to the 2016 team, which won 13 straight games. They rolled everybody all the way up to the playoffs that got to the playoffs and then went down 21 zip in the first half against the Packers. And it was like, what do we even do? We haven't experienced a deficit in months. And I think too, if you're going to drop a game in terrible fashion, losing a game right now to an AFC non-contender effectively is the least impactful way to be humbled and learn a lesson. And as long as the team responds to this the correct way, which is to realize like, okay, we, like every other team, are not invincible. And we do need to work every single day to be maximize the potential of this team, which does have the talent to blow that team off the field on eight of 10 Sundays. This can happen to us, and we cannot allow that to happen again. As long as they respond to it that way, I think we will look back on this as a positive development. For this I game. so wish the pod fans got got Andy in the moment and, and could have seen our oh, group chat where he said, "It ain't that." <laughs> where he said, "Where he said, uh, Super Bowl contenders don't lose like this. They don't get their ass kicked by Denver thirty to zero. <laughs> look, man, I'm Italian. I'm a hot blooded Mediterranean. You know, Z, we're I mean, still contenders. It, Are we still contenders? I'm saying it has to be a fluke because if it's not a fluke, that means that we are actually just complete shit and all of our players were just really fucking bad and that they've just been so lucky the entire season and all previous seasons. I, so it has to be a played, If it was like 2018 and we had beat a bunch of garbage teams and then we had like run into a real team and lost, I could maybe buy it. Dude, we, we went toe to toe to the wire with the defending champs who were at full strength at the time. We beat the Chargers on their turf. We beat the, We took the Patriots to a standstill and beat them in overtime in, on their turf, which the Patriots are out here doing baller shit right now. We played good teams and beat them handily. And, yeah, I, I'm not that concerned about it. I mean, obviously, you don't ever want to lose a game like that, ever. It's, it's horrible. But I think about – and I can only like I, I say this all the time, but I can only relate it to things that I've experienced personally. And I think about times in my life where I just showed up totally unprepared, assuming I could just wing something and fucked it up. And in the moment, it was they were incredibly painful. But looking back, those are moments of growth. And I think to teams that didn't have one of these, like the the uh, Ben, what year was the Panthers run? Like 2015? 2015, right? Yeah, the right. Cam Newton MVP. The 15, year. 15 and one season. That team never, that team just rolled through the entire year and then killed everyone in the playoffs and then got to the Super Bowl and got. I said that, I actually said that about our, our, our 2016 rookie Dak, rookie Zeke. I know they fought back and they lost, but I actually thought that's why they were better off in 2018 when they won a game even though their record wasn't as sterling as 2016. Cause you know, when, as to your point, when things are rolling, things are rolling, things are rolling. And then they're not, you know, all of a sudden you, uh, you, you, you get kind of shell shocked of what to you, do. I feel like you do not want your first time experiencing adversity to be in the biggest moment. Like I remember when I was in college and I was trying to get a job and I got the advice from someone I really respected at the time that I should take every single interview with any company, regardless of if I wanted the job or not. And so I went to interviews for like paint store manager, 
fucking cargo meat supply. I was going to live out and I would have to live out in Lubbock and sell meat to, I, I don't know who buys meat in grocery stores. Sure. And I thought it sucked because it did. But what I learned was that I was actually pretty shitty at interviewing and I needed to get better. And by the time I got to an interview that I really cared about, I had like gotten the rust out. You know, I, I understood how to play that game and get out of tricky questions and deal with being nervous. Um, and so that was good. And I think this team will, will have a similar experience. If they get into the deep water in the playoffs and they're down by a score and a half or two scores, they're not going to have never felt that way before. I think that's good for them. I think it's really good for them. I can only hope so. My only thing, and we talked about this, I was it, was say, not, it was not an enjoyable experience. That is my crazy. only thing is, is, is what sort of Zach's alluding to is, and we talked briefly about this in text, Andy, was I only worry is, is sometimes is when you're they're young and cocky, you think you're immortal, you think you're yep. invincible, and that also allows you to always, like they just even said, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Dak or someone else, that even until like the fourth quarter, they just sort of thought they'd figure out a way to win because they've yeah. just always won. Yep. And you don't want that to go away. You don't want that, like, and I'm not saying it is because you get drummed, but that we're always, we're invincible. We're always going to well, win. And there's sometimes a, when, you, when you realize you can bleed, it's just, you always know in the back of your mind, like, hey, man, we could get our ass kicked. Well, there's a, there's a very real phenomenon that happens in uh, high-level motor racing where you have guys that are, like, 19 years old, 20 years old, are the best Formula One prospect anyone's ever seen, and they get in a really bad crash. And they don't die, but they're suddenly aware of how of the danger that they're playing with. And some guys, they take it to the next level. They're like, that sharpens their focus to this knife point, and they become great. Other guys can never get behind the wheel again at a high level because they just cannot take a turn yeah. at 160 miles an hour ever again, knowing that if the tire gives you know just an inch too much grip, they're in the wall and they could die. So the one thing I will say about that topic is that they do have a leader who has faced much deeper, more personal adversity than this. Like in the grand scheme of Dak Prescott's life, he has seen more darkness than being six and two. <laughs> like it's, this ain't that bad. So uh, I like to think that they'll, that they will put it together. They do play the Falcons this coming week, Dan Quinn's old team. Dan Quinn was the head coach of this team for some uh, rather notable moments, mostly the uh, Super Bowl where they choked super, super bad, probably cost Dan Quinn his job. Um, Falcons are coming off a win against the Saints. Uh, the Saints obviously have a really shitty quarterback situation right now because Jameis went down, but an excellent defense, and the Falcons are throwing the ball all over everybody. They're kind of us last year where their defense is fucking super garbage. They give up a billion points to everybody, so they just try to boat race everyone they play, and that works about a third of the time. Um, but I like to think that with Dan Quinn as our DC, we have an ins we have some inside information, at least about their personnel. Do you see so his quote? You see his quote that he said? Uh, I did they, not. They're asking Dan Quinn, you know, former Falcons head coach, as Andy said, you know, about his time in Atlanta. And he, uh, at one point, interjected, goes, yeah, this isn't the time to go by memory lane. We have some shit to fix. And I love that. I, I love Dan Quinn, Quinn, dude. I love him, man. I mean, okay, here's my one question for you guys. If you are the Cowboys, what do you do about the offensive line this week, assuming that Tyron Smith is not going to play? If Tyron's out, which I believe he will be, I think you need to at least give a good hard look at Leo at left tackle. That's in what I think too. Practice. I think the only reason you wouldn't do it is if you're coaches and you're trying it out in practice and it's a disaster. And I'm not even saying Leo will be great at left tackle, but I think we saw what Steele was. Steele's more comfortable at right. He's still a backup player. Like we, yep. we're we all are in love with what Terrence Steele's done and the improvement, the strides that he's made. But this was an undrafted. If we could <laughs> uh, couple. If we could couple the talent and ability of Lael Collins with the attitude and work ethic of Terrence Steele, you'd have a tremendously good lineman. Yeah, I think I think you try it out. And, you know, I, I don't know what they will do, to be honest. If you do have to get Terrence Steele at left tackle again, then you're just going to have to 
scheme and chip and block to that side. You're going to have to give him help. Agreed. Now, I do think we will be helped a little bit by the return. Uh, it looks like the return of Michael Gallup is imminent. He's yes. supposed to be a full go at practice tomorrow. Man, um, people have been really people been really throwing shade at Baby Dez. Oh, I know, dude. I, it is in fear. You know, you know, Ben, that from the day the boy got drafted in the third round, I was on fucking Team Baby Dez. And now they're trying to disrespect MG? They think they done forgot what MG does, dude. Look, once he again, we love Cedric Wilson. There's a reason he ain't playing the snaps Michael Gallup's playing. Bro, that, I mean, out. like, don't get me wrong. I love Cedric Wilson. I think he's great. I think he's probably going to be the one that ends up being here next year, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But, yeah, dude, like, Michael Gallup is going to go be, like, a $10 million wide receiver in the NFL next year. Like, a $12 million wide receiver, maybe. Like, yeah, he takes the top off the defense. He has maybe the best hands on the whole team. Like, in that playoff game versus the Seattle Seahawks a couple years ago, when they got at the end of the first half, when they got down into the red zone, they ran two back-to-back fades to MG, and he mossed them and got that TD, dude. That's how he's, much they believe dude, in he's, him. He's baby Des. He's, he is he, legitimately baby Des. He comes down with that shit. I'm excited to have him back. Um, it sounds like Tank will not come back to those listening. He is eligible to come back. They don't think he's ready yet. I don't I've heard think... Thanksgiving is the... Yeah, I heard from the sounds. Aiming. It's probably not the Chiefs the week after. So yeah, they, he, he might start quote, practicing next week. But the, the quote that I heard from him was, Thanksgiving would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't inspire a ton of confidence, but boy, I, I would love to have him. So... Oh man, I know I've I just dog on this dude so much, but like it sucks so bad that Leighton Vanderesh is trash. It makes me so sad. He's just because we need average. him to be good. We need him to be good. And I'll, oh man, I was talking to Ryan about this when we were watching the game, but like it's so funny how like a player's whole shtick just changes when they're not good at playing football anymore. Like when Leighton Vanderesh was this star-studded rookie. Everyone was dogpiling onto that like wolf, wolf hunter, hunter persona, and, like acting yeah. like that was cool, bro. That shit is so fucking corny and has been always. But we were all just going along with it because he was like getting picks at like fifteen tackles a game, and now it that he's like, like the mediocre. second coming of Sean Lee, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and he had but, that old uh, school vibe. But people would the only thing cool about that that nickname was terrible, and fans who loved it are terrible. But you know exactly which fans love that shit. Dude. Oh, you know exactly who. Like you it's, know, it, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. But they, uh, the only thing that was cool was the stadium would play the Wolf Howl when he did something cool. That was yeah, that was pretty but, cool. Other than that, but, you're right. But boys, let me ask you this: if you could have less cowboy wins or more cowboy wins. Which one do you think you'd pick, Ben? I think I, I think I got to go with more. Well, more is always better, in my opinion, and that's why our good friends at my bookie are instantly doubling all first-time deposits Whoa. right now, as we speak. With double the funds, you can double your action, and more importantly, double your wins. Getting in on the action has never been easier. I can bet with all my favorite currencies, including crypto. The kids love crypto. Get in on that. <laughs> and with all that extra scratch, why not get in on the biggest matchups of the week at my bookie? As we inch closer to the NFL playoffs, there are some pivotal games to be on the lookout for this weekend, including a showdown between divisional rivals when the San Francisco 49ers take on the Los Angeles Rams. Behind MVP candidate Matt Stafford, and the Rams are looking to continue rolling. <laughs> Someone wrote this a little while ago. Rams aren't exactly rolling right now, if you know what I mean. Uh, but they do take on a fierce 49ers defense. Uh, the Rams do appear to be legit outside of their little foray into loser territory against the Titans. Um, but I think I mean, they cover the spread this week, Ben. I do. I like that pick, sir. I mean, you got to when you got Daryl Hindo Henderson back there. I love Hell buddy. yeah. So don't wait. Head to my bookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus. So you can get in the game and start winning right now. And is there use a the promo, promo code. code? There oh. is. 
It's all caps BOYS100, and you will receive double your first deposit instantly. That's promo code BOYS100, so you can double your funds and double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Thank you so much for our, to our friends at MyBookie for sponsoring the podcast this week. I wonder how literal bet anything, anytime, anywhere is. Like, can I bet on like wild shit, like celebrity death pool, like real cool shit like that? Because if so, I mean, head to head to my booking and find out. Yeah, find out, boys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows what's out there? I will say they do have like uh, me and Ben do uh, foray into online betting quite a bit, and I do I do like the my bookie site, dude. They've got a great UI. They and dude, if they'll double your deposit, that's just free money. And Lord knows, I love free money. Who doesn't? Who doesn't, friend? So, Ben, speaking of uh, betting, should we get into this week's edition of Bets Will Be Bets, sponsored by our good friends at MyBookie? We should, and we're going to begin with the Cowboys game because we didn't give our picks all the way. Um, okay, well, let me let me get open oh. my MyBookie page. Uh, okay. Open my bookie. I have it up. Type in boys. Type in boys one hundred, so I can double my deposit instantly. <laughs> okay, I'm. It's. I've got it. Truth. So. All right, Cowboys Atlanta. Cowboys favored by nine point ruse. I do like that. I do think we bounce back. Atlanta just got a really hot. Atlanta's a playoff team right now. By the way, um, yeah, four and four. They're led by old ass Matt Ryan, who I can never quite figure out if he's done or if he's still okay. Um, they're Let's wins. Be they're being carried by generational talent, Kyle Pitts and Corderell Patterson. Dog, that is a weird one, dude. That is a strange. <laughs> and they've got him running like running back. Like he's out here, dude. Not for nothing, Kyle Pitts' stats are actually pretty sexy for a rookie tight end. Yeah, I he's doing say. well. He's doing well. I know Cowboys Nation really wanted him. Thank God we didn't take him, to be honest. But yeah, he's he can. Ball. Can you imagine if we just like didn't have Micah and all we had was just like a fourteenth pass catcher on this offense right now? How much worse <laughs> this would be? See, do you have imagine instead of the six hundred yards we're getting from Schultz if they were six hundred Pitts yards? Oh, that would be sick. That would be sick. So Ben, are you? Uh, are we thinking we're taking the Cowboys this week? Minus nine. Uh, we're, we're riding the boys. It hurt us this week. It even hurt us. We 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 lost actually quite a few units on the boys this week. So they owe yeah, us those one. Prop bets get you. Yeah, we went a little wild. Uh, Falcons have won three of their last four, but one of those was the Jets. One of those was the Dolphins, which they eked out. They lost to the Panthers, which is awful given how bad the Panthers look. And then they just squeaked by the Saints. They were up big in the Saints. They nearly blew that. They nearly pulled in Atlanta, which is blow a big lead. Uh, they gave up three Ooh. touchdowns late, and Atlanta wound up pulling it off. But breaking anywho. news: uh, suit filed Tuesday alleges that Vikings running back Dalvin Cook assaulted a woman. Eesh. I so they actually came out. So apparently, he's filing some. He's the victim of domestic abuse filing at her. Ah, so, so they were like they were like beating each other up a little bit supposedly someone broke i don't know i didn't look at all the details so i don't say them but what i heard was someone broke into his house and then threatened him and then bro to, what a week for the nfl really we weird. had the henry rugg situation <laughs> and then the raiders had to cut their other first round pick because he wrecked four rental cars in a month and then threatened a bunch of people on instagram live with an assault rifle teams be wildin', dude Yeah, it's it's a strange week in the NFL. Uh, that rug shit. The OBJ got cut from the Browns, which was wild. The Aaron Rodgers was going on giving the most wild interview of his career, which was quite quite fun to hear. So point. funny. I cannot. <laughs> as someone who just hates the Packers and Aaron Rodgers so much for the just unbelievable luck they've had against the Cowboys in two playoff games where the refs assisted them, it did my heart so much good to just see them fully revealed to be a nut job. I loved it. Dude, don't worry. The NFL find Aaron Rodgers 300 grand. So yeah, I saw oh. that. Yeah. That'll really teach him. That's probably <laughs> a game really, check. So really learn his lesson. Uh, okay. I'm looking at some of these other lines though. Let me yeah, tell you so what I like immediately. Did you Arizona like the Cardinals? Too? Yeah, I do. Okay. 
Dallas rolls. I like Dallas. I like Cardinals, Panthers. Cardinals are favored by 10. The Cardinals beat somebody by 10 without Kyler. I don't think he's going to play this week, honestly. I think they can beat the Carolina Panthers. I was going to say, yeah, they said Darnold's going to be out, by the way, so it's going to be P.J. Walker at home. Oh, let, let me give you one right now. Philadelphia Eagles plus two and a half against the Broncos. You just fucking know that the Broncos are going to go lay an egg. You yes. just know it. You just yes. know that's going to happen. Because, like, if the Broncos go on a run and, like, look decent, like, suddenly our loss doesn't look as bad, and they will not do us that favor. They will immediately go collapse against the Eagles. Oh, totally agree. Um, you know, one, I, I'm, I'm tempted to bet this. The Titans have seemingly been for real. They're playing the Saints at home. It's a pick em game, except that the Titans are getting three, you know, because they're the home team. I think I like Tennessee a lot. New or I don't, dude, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to talk myself into it, Good. We need to come back. New Orleans is just so fucking fickle, man. As soon as I'm ready to think they're for real, they go and lose to Atlanta. Saints have so. a good defense, but they're just so lacking on offense. You just cannot count on them for shit. And that's why I think the Titans are for real. I mean, they went and won a game without without Derrick Henry against the Rams. That was That they did. And it was a beatdown, like very similar to our game. Like they were up 21 to 3 or something on the Rams. So I like that one quite a bit. Um, I don't really know what else is jumping out at me, Goat. Uh, do you have one the, that you really love? Th- those are kind of the ones that I immediately love. I think we'll probably add some more later in the week. Uh, you know, check the Boys Will Be Boys Twitter later this week for additional picks. And, uh, you know, make sure to register with that promo code, boys and girls. And one more. I didn't see this, as always. Fade the Jets. Bills oh. 13. They're gonna. Yeah, they just lost. They just Revenge lost to the game. Jags. They're going yep. to be pissed off. I love it. I yep. love it. So, thank you so much, my bookie, for helping us out and for sponsoring this week's edition of Bets Will Be Bets again. Promo code Boys One Hundred. So, gentlemen, I think the only thing left is the Walkstar Goat of the game. I mean, is it Micah Parsons? Do we just all want to give it to Micah Parsons? We've I'm giving actually, it to Micah Parsons. That's fair. News. We've. Oh, I thought we had lost. I thought we had lost Mr. Love. He Captain Love has rejoined the party just in time. Uh, I vote for Hangman News. <laughs> oh God, dude, dark. Jeez. I like it though. I I like the see. That's why no, we I, have Zach, dude. He brings a tone to the podcast. I like it. Uh, actually, no. In reality, it's Parsons. <laughs> I refuse to give anybody credit in this one, except for one man who had a breakout game, probably never scored a touchdown in his NFL career again. Malik Turner, two TDs hey, late. Good for him, man. I, You know what? I, I felt bad because you could tell watching it that he was actually very excited. Yes. But he also was a good enough teammate to like know that he, he he should not be too big about it. And so he's like trying to like walk that line of like, I just scored my first two NFL touchdowns, but we're getting our ass kicked. Like, and he's probably gonna be guy. he's probably gonna be inactive when Gallup comes back, would be my guess. So anyway, I gotta give a shout out. It may the way Cooper Rush, you know, I, I said last week was probably gonna be the only game he ever gets to start, knock on wood, hopefully. Um, this may be the only thing we see Malik Turner. So he's he is the walk star star of the game. I like it. Those are those are pretty much the two only guys you can say nice things about. So Oh, all right, gentlemen. Is there anything else before we get out of here and bury this game in the past? I don't think so. Uh, I'm taked out. We lost our kicker. Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So Greg Zerline has COVID. Um, but trying out other kickers. It sounds like they're going to try out Brett Maher, which, dear God, talk about the ghost of fucking Christmas past that I thought I was never going to have to see again. Great. Um, you know what? Let's hope that we just beat Atlanta's ass so bad it doesn't even matter, but you never know. We have a history of dramatic field goals in Atlanta, so we will see what happens there. Um, yeah, make sure to to keep up with the uh, the Twitter. Ben will keep you up to date on what we do with our kicker situation. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, uh, we'll see. We'll see if it passes the tough test. We're trying out Brett Maher right now, the Maher fucker, so let's see how that goes. <laughs> uh, all right, boys, anything else? It's a wrap.
All right. Well, as always, folks, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen. Thank you to my bookie for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. If you've liked what you heard, feel free to like, subscribe, share, leave a comment. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social medias on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, I don't know. Shit. Maybe we'll start a TikTok this week. You know, get with the kid, get the Gen Zers on board. Uh, or if you're old, uh, shoot us an email at boyswillpod at gmail.com. As always, I'm Andy Gatelli. Benjamin Walker. Zachary Love. This has been Boys Will Be Boys. Take it fucking easy.